Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. After Dark overreaction show Tuesday night this is uh or yeah Tuesday night sorry this is George Whitfield joined <laughs> by two of my favorite heavyweights uh representing the national champion Clemson Tigers and father to be uh Mr. Darian Rencher Darian how you doing man doing good man glad to be back back it's 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 great to have you bringing some of that ACC voice with you and from the superpower. Watch out because they're now in the top 10. Raise Come on. Back. Higgs, Suey. <laughs> Mr. Clint Sterner, voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Razorbacks, and all things Texas. How we doing, sir? Man, if I was any better, I'd need a twin, baby. Look here. <laughs> Look here. We just, baby just went to bed. She was up screaming. She got her back. Mama got her back down right before we started. My hogs are top 10. And hey, look here. By the way, by the way, y'all check that out now. That's that field, that's that field of 12 merch right there, just in case y'all hey, was wondering right there, cussing hey, and discussing. Hey, tell them uh, where yeah. they can get it. Tell them hey, where man. they can get it. Hey, man, life is good, brother. Life is good. Good to be on here with you guys, man. Tell the people where they can get that merch. You got that You got that new hot, hot gear there. Tell them where they could get some. One more time for the, for the homies that are dead and gone. I got to hop on here. Field of 68 dot shop for the cussing and discussing shirt, everybody. Field of, there six, you go. Field of 68 dot shop. Field of 68 dot shop. Get your cussing and discussing. Your official Clint Sterner uh, retro tee. He's got the crispy crimson on there. A top <laughs> Representing a top 10 Jurassic Park team right now in, in uh, the national rankings. Uh, and again, welcome to the Field of 12, powered by Bet Rivers. George Whitfield, Darian Rencher, Clint Sterner, fellas, we're gonna we're gonna go for a ride here on some week week three top storylines. Evidently, the Pac-12 is still competing. They do have something to say. We'll go back and visit them. The Big Ten East, they do have their three resident monsters. All three got up and made some moves this weekend. Uh, we're gonna look at some teams. Are they frauds? Are they for real? Yes, it's early, but you know, we saw 12, 12 quarters of football and much, much more on our as our tradition, per our tradition here at Field of 12, we do a toast. And this toast is pretty cool. Usually we do one Saturday night uh, right after the games. But, fellas, we've had 48 hours distance from the, the week of games and battles, drama. Uh, do you have a toast, Darian? I want to start with you. Do you have a toast your recognition on a player thing, team, squad, something. You might be on mute there, Darian. Can you hear me? Did you mute it? Clint, we'll go to you, Clint. We'll, we'll get Darian back in here. You let, Let's get a toast. Yeah. Well, well, here's to mute buttons. Here's the mute buttons that work and mute buttons that don't work. <laughs> Hey, D, you look good doing it, my brother. You look good doing it. Now, look, I, I'm going to give mine 
because I like to eat crow. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people in our business that got an alligator mouth and a hummingbird ass. And bottom line is, <laughs> I like to talk big. I like to talk about it. My eyes don't typically fool me. And when I'm wrong, I ain't got no problem telling the man I'm wrong. Bo Nix. Mm. Bo Nix, I gave mm. you hell when you were at Auburn. Mm -hmm. I gave you hell the first couple weeks of the season when you was at Oregon. But real recognizes real, baby. You went out there versus BYU. I thought a group of five team that was going to be a national championship contender, college football playoff contender, had a chance to be make that Cinderella run, if you will. But my brother, Bo Nix, went out there and did his thing this weekend, man, in a big, big way. Um, again, real recognized, real. Here's to Bo Nix for doing his thing and keeping that Pac-12 rele relevant, right? Hey, Bo Nix, sir. Respect. Darian, are you set? Are you on the mound? Are you ready to pitch? Nothing. Nothing yet. Okay. So on behalf of Darian, I am going to go ahead and humbly submit his Clemson Tigers. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's back. Oh, look, I don't know what happened. Look, I'm, re I'm ready for my toes. I don't know what happened. Look at him. As soon as I said Clemson, Clint, as look. soon as I said Clemson Tigers, <laughs> the magic words. Go ahead, sir. My toast. Like I was trying to say, it was definitely muted. Um, to the undefeated I'm NC State. Is that it? Undefeated NC State or no? It, it won't be them, I promise. Uh, okay, it, good. Yeah, we're not going there. I'll tell okay. my first to be the time. If, if I give them any credit, they'll get it there. They beat them. Okay. Um, Fair enough. My toast is going to a team that really should be 3-0. and Also, it's always should have, would have, could have. But to a player, to me, who may be having up there with Drake, maybe, maybe having one of the best college football season storylines out there, is to chase Bryce. Hail Mary mm -hmm. pass to win mm -hmm. the game. Mm -hmm. Two seconds left in the fourth quarter. They're down to beat Troy. College game day. Boone is America's favorite team right now. Like the they they show up, show out. Fan support's crazy. So my toast is going to Chase Bryce and to App State. Hey, respect. Hey, G, G, can we say this real quick about that? I mean, so many times people want to dog cuss the transfer portal. Right. Mm -hmm. Can can we can we also can I add a little something to that D and just say here's the transfer portal. That's a young man that would have been buried on a depth chart. Probably 100%. never would have seen the light of day. 100%. Made a couple of moves, and here he is, America's college football sweetheart for the last couple of weeks. So beautiful. So beautiful. And and I hope it keeps going for him. That's right. a school that's a school with a proud tradition. That's a campus. There was nothing more fun, and I'm sure you both saw that, Clint, to your point. A bystander walked out of in downtown, I don't even know what, uh, in Boone, Boom. North Carolina. Boom. Soon as they knocked out A&M, they turned the camera. They walked out of a building downtown. They looked to their left, and it's a mass of people like a movie running. And then they turned to their right, and it's a ma it looked like it was staged. But they just stepped outside one minute after that Aggie game was over. Down they come. And another point to your boy, Chase Bryce, do you know post-game, he throws the Hail Mary, he's down in the end zone with his teammates celebrating. 
And then he winds up walking over to the barrier to help students who are trying to rush the field get out on the field safely. Right. Like, like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Yeah. Chase, Bryce, keep running, man. We're with you. We're with See you. See Breezy. See Breezy. That's right. Former teammate, huh? Come on, look. And that's a plan, a great point. I think just you look at the transfer portal has so many, uh, I mean, rifle like cautions and negatives to it because some guys leave and are very emotional and they don't think about the bigger picture. They don't, they're not, they don't see the process through. This is a developmental game more than to me, any other sport. But Chase Bryce is one of the bright spots of the transfer portal. A guy who graduated, who was a graduate from Clemson, who if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have my second ring because he had that Syracuse win. So mm. I remember that fourth mm -hmm. and seven to T Higgins. And so a dude who rightfully deserved to go play somewhere else. And he bounced around, but I think he's finally found his niche at App State. And that's all you want. That's what the portal, the portal isn't so much about people being unhappy and jumping and hopping and jumping. You only have this finite amount of time to figure a way out onto the stage. Yes, you want to battle. But if I found myself here and I got three great white sharks in front of me, you could battle all day, all night. And if I look over there, it's a great white shark who's a year from leaving and some catfish. I need to be over there. I need to be over there. God bless the, the transfer portal. Okay. So I love it. We already off to a great start. My toast is going to a program that for the last certainly 15 years, people were trying, they were climbing over each other to get these guys as a homecoming game. And everybody was easily ready to write a nice check because you can run up some nice stats. You can fill your stadium with the team you can beat in the first quarter and then get on with it. Now, all of a sudden, the Kansas Jayhawks are leading the nation after three weeks in points per game, seventh in rushing yards per game, first wow. in offensive efficiency. Wow. And they have more touchdowns in three games than they did in 12 games last year, led by their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, uh, who leads a team in passing and rushing. The Kansas Jayhawks to the Kansas Salute. Jayhawks. Rock, chop. Salute. Salute. And to that point, this is where the fans of places like Lincoln, Nebraska, and the Cornhuskers or Arizona State, or Clint, you can name however many, and Darren, you can name however many, where resources are there, infrastructures in place, legacies are there, old championships are in the building, and then people are told, buy them time, give them time, buy them time, but then yet, the difference between what Kansas is doing now and what they've been you know, relegated to the last 15 years, a culture leadership and a group of men putting a flag in the ground saying not this program not this year it's just really decision nothing magical happened in terms of a building or a machine or a computer nothing happened like this. it's just people people decided and then that was it they just decided the portal helped them immensely i think it's going to help other programs just like what we were already kind of talking about immensely uh just in terms of helping people like kind of jumpstart their programs. All right. So we're off. We just got our toast. And again, thank you for joining us. Phil to 12 after dark, George Whitfield joined by Darian Rencher, uh, Clint Sterner, both girl dads. This is a girl dad run here. Come on, girl dads. Uh, baby. Some, 
some uh, overreaction Tuesday. We, uh, fellas, we need to start to pay a little bit of attention to the Pac-12. And it's a shame that we got to say that already, but they have not been in the playoffs since 2014. And for the last seven, eight years, they've just been participating. They had no real interest in coming and getting in the big national dance. They've shown it. All of a sudden, Oregon revitalizes themselves. Washington has their first big at-bat. And then the Trojans continue to make noise. Fellas, let me read you a couple little breakdowns here of how the weekend went for the Pac-12. Oregon took on number 12 BYU after being dismantled piece by piece just two weeks ago by the by the White Walkers in Georgia. They beat them 41 to 20. And Clint, to your point there with the toast, um, outgained BYU, better on third down efficiency, big time in the fourth quarter, big win at home for the Ducks. And then Washington hosts a, a Big Ten power in Michigan State, undefeated Michigan State. They come in 11th ranked. So the 11th and 12th ranked teams in the country travel west of the Rockies, both get beat. Washington and their new coaching staff, new leader and their quarterback, Michael Penix, you know him from Indiana. They get a big win, 39-28. And it wasn't honestly even that close when you watch the game. It looked like they could have done anything they wanted to do out there. Of course, we've seen the Trojans, but we haven't seen the Trojans up against an opposite equal. But what we have seen, it does look scary. Fellas, how big of a weekend was it, in your opinion, for the Pac-12? Uh, Darian, we'll start with you. I think it was there. I think particularly you look at UW coming off a four and eight season, got a new head coach. Um, you got my man Lake out of there, and now they kind of got some revitalized culture, energy within that building. You got a transfer quarterback from IU coming there and slinging it. I mean, throwing for 350 yards like on average. And so to me, that's a team to watch out for, especially in the Pac 12. You kind of look at their schedule. Um, they got a I feel like they, the Pac-12 is so iffy to me because I feel like anybody can get beat. I don't think it's a true contender or, like, somebody that somebody's scared of. Obviously, you got USC, you got Oregon. But I think everybody in that conference believes they can beat everybody, especially Utah falling and what they have this year, BYU taking a loss. Um, so I'm excited to see, to me, UW. They're 3-0. They're playing with a lot of uh, a lot of swagger, putting up points. Um, they, they have stopped people. I don't think they played a really good offense yet. So to me, that's a team to watch for. Um, and – Going on with that, I'd like to see Oregon continue to bounce back from that first week in Georgia. And I to me, it's going to be interesting to see how, in a good way, that loss could have been a real perspective shift for them to really get serious about the season. Not that they already weren't, but you go get smacked like that on national television, it's like, all right, like, are we going – this is going to be the story for the year or are we going to change this thing really quickly? And you can see Bo Nix kind of getting in his groove. They're finding their way. So I feel like those teams that are watching, obviously USC. USC is a team of, team of the year. So many transfers in when Lincoln Riley – so it's, I think they got a lot of stuff going on. And, like, you know about the, the way they're doing their conference play this year. It's the winning percentage. So it's going to be interesting to see the two teams that kind of come up towards the end. And I'm, and I'm interested to see. I think the front runners are obviously Oregon and USC. But I think somebody else could squeeze in there and make something happen too. Clint, I agree with Darian. Uh, sometimes a loss can teach you a lot. A dismantling can teach you a whole lot. Every man – Every duck, every everybody in that building, they come in beyond sober. 
we did all this off-season work. We did all these rallies and all these dinners and all these team bonding deals and all this stuff. We boarded the plane, Phil, in a certain way. We rode the bus over there to Mercedes-Benz, Phil, in a certain way, pregame a certain way, and got laid out like some carpet. Like <laughs> it, the, the whole thing got dismantled. Right. Back to the shop we go. And like Darian said, they had two good weeks. I don't even know who they played the week before. Now you have another top 12 team. A lot of growth we saw out of that Oregon team. And Dan Lanning getting these guys to bow up, coming in. Were you impressed? Does it sustain for Oregon? Yes, I was impressed because they, they did it in impressive fashion. Now, I didn't like what I saw when I watched the game. Dan Lanning appeared to pull the reins back a little bit, put the backup quarterback in, and start kind of playing with uh, with the opponent a little bit too early for me. He should have he should have kept the 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 gas the the the, 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 the pedal to the metal, if you know what I mean. I didn't like that, but if you just look at what Oregon's done, is one thing, guys. Let's be completely honest. The easiest thing in college football to overcome in terms of the college football playoffs is a week one drumming by the best team in America. That's true. That, yeah. that is a non-factor if we're being completely honest to how Oregon finishes this season. Yeah. And so Oregon going out there and beating a BYU team, the one group of five BYU team, the, the one group of five team that I believe is going to be viewed as a power five moving forward in terms of strength of schedule and quality win and all that kind of job, that was a big time Big time win. So when you're talking about the pack of the, the pack twelve, right? The pack of twelve. Listen to me. I'm field of twelve. Pack of twelve. <laughs> when 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 you're talking about the pack of the pack, gosh, now I can't spit it out. The pack twelve. Pac twelve. Yep. You got Oregon, and and look, I, I still believe Utah's got a shot. They started out ranked high enough, and and I think Florida's going to right the ship to be a middle of the pack football team to where that's going to end up being not as bad a loss as everybody thinks it was. As, as from an un, uh, from a um, uh, unranked football team the first season, and then Washington, Washington's getting some national recognition. So my point is, the Pac-12 has all of a sudden got not two players. They started with Oregon and Utah. Now all of a sudden, Washington's Washington's creeped up there nationally and getting a little bit of love. And by the way, Washington State is three and zero, and so you've got some teams here that are really, really high level teams that are going to be vying for that Pac-12 top team. And you've got some some dudes a little bit lower, Washington State, that if you can beat them, those are going to be quality wins. So look, I, when you look at USC, Utah, Oregon. Washington, all of a sudden the Pac-12 is a little bit more real than maybe some of us. Let me speak for myself. The Pac-12 is a little bit more of a contender than I gave them credit from jump. Yeah, 100%. Again, an undefeated Oregon State team. We're three weeks into the season. UCLA uh, is making noise. Arizona making noise. Utah uh, has seemed to kind of find their footing after going into the swamp. And finding out how real Jurassic yeah. Park is. The Trojans are still lurking out there. Uh, just stay in the conversation for the sake of the sport. Stay in the conversation. Let me ask you both quickly. If you're the commissioner of this league, is it better to have a couple of like global monsters like the Big Ten does? Or all like obviously the Jurassic Park's different, but the Big Ten has a couple of teams, three, four teams they could dispatch anywhere and know they'll drag a carcass back. Or is it better to have parity 
which do you see as the more advantageous structure to your conference? Darian? A great question. I think in the long term, it's better to have a monster because you're going to have more – it will be better to have a, one of your teams be the, most, the more dominant team within the realm of the country aspect because you get, if you get a team that makes the playoffs and makes a big New Year's Six game, that's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the conference and they can go win one of those games, whether the a New Year's Six game or the first bowl game or, or make themselves make their way to a national championship. That's automatically going to bring more eyeballs to the conference, the same way Clemson's done with the ACC. Like our conference gets a benefit of doubt sometimes because of Clemson. So I think if somebody from the Pac-12 can be that team to, to rise up like that 2014 UW team or I think 2016 UW team, some of those teams that made it to the playoffs are going to be great for the conference. But as far as the, throughout the season, I think parity to me has more of a value if I'm a commissioner. Um, mm. if, you have a, if you have a couple of teams that are in that ranked, because a lot of conferences, they hang their hat. We got five teams ranked this week. We got four teams ranked this week. Like ACC, we got five teams ranked. We're like, we hold on to it for dear life. We got five teams ranked. Week three and the ACC, it makes our strength of schedule look better. So the Pac-12 can have, uh, obviously, they kind of let they let loose with Utah, losing it to Florida. If they can get some of those ranked wins within the conference and out of the conference, I feel like it's better for the conference as a whole because they have that narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's the Pac-12. Clint, going with that narrative, and I'm gonna fine tune it for you. You're you're running the Pac-12. Do you want that one monster? who, yes, they're slaying the whole conference and everybody else is a mile behind, but they have a real shot to do something in this dance. Now, when it expands, it expands, it helps everybody. But right now, it's four. You want that one monster, or is it better to see three of your ball clubs make it into the New Year's six games? Three ball clubs in the New Year's six games. I, look, I, I, hey, George, I, I'm a firm believer in this. We talk a lot about the SEC and about the parity and about whether it's fair or it's not. And I, I personally hate the conversations because I think the real, the real reason the SEC is viewed as the most powerful conference in America gets overlooked. The reality of the SEC being the best has nothing to do with Alabama and Georgia. Right. It has everything to do with when you look over in the East – Beyond Georgia, you've got Florida. This year, you've got Kentucky. Yeah. Back when I was playing, Tennessee was winning national championships. And then you look over in the West, forget Alabama. Auburn's won a national championship. I know they're shitting the bed right now. But you look at Arkansas. Arkansas is a 9 or 10 win team right now. Um, you look at LSU. Again, I know they're shitting the bed right now, but they've Sleeping won national giant. championships. A&M. A&M, two years in a row, have been top six in the country in the preseason, they're, they're a really good football team. So when I look at – when I personally, like, gauge the the strength of conferences, for me, everybody's got a one and two. Everybody's got a one and two. It, it's about three through six, yeah. year in, year out. And, look, five and six may change. They may go in and out. But it's about three through six. And if three through six are out there making a lot of noise – climbing in and out of the top 10, winning bowl games, being relevant in, in recruiting battles. That is the power of the SEC. And so that's what other conferences don't have at the moment. The Big Ten's close, but that's not – they don't have that at the moment. So I would say three teams bouncing in and out of the top 10, 
three teams that at the end of the year, boy, the Pac-12 is going, which one's the best, man? The Pac-12 championship, does it mean something or is it just an afterthought? Are we watching to see who gets in the college football playoffs or is it an afterthought? It doesn't matter what happens. To me, that's that's the 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 meat of what's going on here. So I'd say three teams that that are relevant, G. Uh, well, I know the people here out in the West Coast speaking as one of them. Uh, it does feel good, you know, as they would say out here, the empire kind of striking back. Oregon is up off the mat, showing that combo cross. Washington, you don't really know these teams. Uh, showing some flex. SC is looking like what we thought we were. To that point, we just talked about this on Saturday night, and we didn't get a chance to discuss it with the two of you here at the uh, Field of 12 After Dark, powered by Bet Rivers, Darian <clears throat> Renter. Clint, does it make more sense, given that all these unknowns, to hold the national ranking? Does it make more sense to let these guys play three weeks, four weeks, maybe even let them get to October 1st? You don't even start doing the uh, – the official bowl ranking deal to what six, seven weeks in. Why do we need a preseason ranking? Why do we need a preseason ranking? When you get these teams, Penn State came from unranked, now they're top 10. Notre Dame went from fifth, now they're out. We only played three ball games. Like they know they don't have that, especially with the portal changes, new coaching staffs, and just football. Why do we need a preseason ranking? Well, ratings. Yeah, look. <laughs> look, look, that's what it comes down to. At the end of the day, it's about how big we make these games week one, week two, week three. Um, and then whether they live up to it throughout the season, that's up to the team. Uh, yeah, but, but, I do, I, but let me ask you both that question. When does like Alabama and Texas broke the Fox viewing record for regular season streaming games for college or pro? Nobody think about Texas, not from rankings. It's just. It's an oddity. The Roman army invading Austin, Texas, like Austin, Texas, it's a brand, the Roman army, they travel. You want to watch what they do. Oregon and, and Georgia. I don't even know what Oregon was ranked when they, when they went down to go see the white walkers. It's just some Love brands it. with these interconference deals. It's just fascinating to see Ohio state, Notre Dame. Now it looks absurd that that was a top, that was two top five, uh, top, top five top matchup. Five. But gee, but, gee, the, the, here's the thing, man. The problem is that we, we need them so that me, you, and D got something to talk about the three weeks right. leading up to the damn season, right? That's I, what we need. I feel you. But, but, look, but, gee, the problem isn't the preseason rankings. The problem is how they arrive at the preseason rankings. I mean, and, look, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to pile on here. But when you look at Notre Dame and A&M and you look at Notre Dame – no quarterback, lost one of you, in your words, George, one of the top three active head coaches in college football, great head coach, yep. CEO. Yep. In comes a head coach that's never coached before. I mean, those are all reasons to drop a team a few notches, not put them in the top 10. Correct. Right. And then you look at AM. And if you just look at AM, what AM did last year, they finished fifth in the West, guys. And this is a, a again, and I'm not going to. I know George. I know you get tired of me beating this dead horse, but no, but no, at no. the Go end ahead. of the day, you're talking about a coach that's an offensive minded coach that should be on the cutting edge, quarterback developer, you know, just player developer in in general. That's not what was what's going on in College Station as far as what we've seen. 
So right. if you looked at last year and you watched last year, and if you played ball like we all did, you know that you can recruit 10 five-stars tomorrow, and they are not going to help you win a bunch of games. They're no. not going to help you in top 10 matchups this no. year. They may in, in a year, hell yeah, balls to the wall, let's ride. But this year, I don't give a shit who you are. You ain't helping me. Right. I mean, maybe two or three of them might, might fill voids. Right. So, I mean, the problem isn't the preseason rankings. The problem is however these dudes, whoever's, whoever's creating them, however they're getting to the rankings, that's the problem, right? But, I mean, that's ultimately, that's, that's the, the, the issue, not the rankings themselves. But doesn't that go to the point, if the people who are creating the rankings are the problem, why don't you just take it out of their hands? Oh, I'm, just, I'm cool with it. Let's just see some knockouts first and then say top contender, top contender, tomato can, tomato can. Look a little Mike Tyson is over there as opposed to, like you said, they're just going off of last season. Yeah, just in, going in, off. in theory, in theory. But at the end of the day, it's about ratings. It's about these who, who gets the evening game, is the ranked matchup. Who, you know what I'm saying? Who gets the big college game day? It's about it's about that stuff, and sometimes it does live up to the hype. Like you got last year, you has a couple like those first week games. Like you got the ranked teams that live up to it. Like Georgia lived up to the hype last year. They were top five team, won it all. Bama years of Clemson's won it all. So I think there there is some they don't miss entirely, but they do miss on some teams for sure. Uh, that's a great point. Regarding that, here's who who here who is here's. Who's not missing? Let me get it out of my mouth here. Here's who's not missing the Big Ten East. Now, I think the Big Ten top to bottom and Jurassic Park, which we which is SEC for us. Yeah, it's it's one A, one B. You got to tilt to Jurassic Park. But if you just take their top three or four programs, there is no other conference in America that's more comparable to the SEC, Clint, than the Big Ten. And here is the current standings. Ohio State currently third, Michigan fourth. And going from unranked right back into the discussion is Penn State at 14, following them giving Auburn their worst home loss since 1984 and outrushing one of the SEC teams by 200 yards in their own backyard. Penn State is now 14th. I want to walk you guys through a couple things here regarding Michigan because th there is some question, and I can't even say it's not fair, about Michigan. They're ranked fourth. Who have they played? And people are saying, I think their their total not their total opponent schedules either one and nine or two and nine or something like that. But I asked the both of you, and we said this Saturday night. If a zoo visitor stumbles into a bear exhibit and gets mauled, blood and guts everywhere. And then two more stumble into that bear exhibit and they faint and they find themselves in the same fate. That's on the visitors to me. That bear is still a bear. It just hasn't seen another bear. I don't think it's right for people to question that bear. And since we're talking about that bear, I just want to hit you guys with a couple of stats here. Michigan right now, first in the country in points per game, fifth in the country in yards per game. And they're third in the country in total defense, fourth in the country in yards, uh, uh, average yards per game. On both ends, they're sitting top five nationally. Now, that's going to give some. But under Harbaugh, they finished the season with some top five defenses. 
And then last year they pushed themselves all the way to the uh, into the playoffs. We'll come back on Ohio State and Penn State. Let's go to Michigan. Are you a believer? Clint, I'll start with you. A believer in what? A believer that Michigan is a is a global power. It's a it's a monster. Whoever they see, they're easily an equal opposite regarding any competition out there. Yeah, I mean, based off of what we saw, what we saw from Michigan last year, and we've seen, like you said, against against lesser opponents this year, there's no reason not to believe that they're going to pick up where they left off. I mean, there's no reason not to believe that. I know it's been a little bit of a controversial situation with their quarterback, but there's no reason to believe that that this 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 team can't rally behind JJ McCarthy and they can't go do something big. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a believer at this point. I'm a believer that they can go out there and compete and and be a a college football playoff relevant football team in the conversation. Yeah, I'm I'm completely, and this hasn't always been the case, but I'm completely a-okay with Michigan uh, with that logo being in the conversation. Absolutely, Darian. I'm gonna flip the question to you. Looking at Michigan, I'm just gonna make the large assumption you're gonna kind of roll with Clint there, and unless you're not, hold your peace on that part. But I'm just gonna say <laughs> this: when you look at the Wolverines. And you look at the teams they're surrounded by, the White Walkers in Georgia, just they just look invincible. The Roman armies does what the Roman army does. They come to your village, they demolish it. Now they kind of have a little bit of a battle, and then they demolish it in Alabama. Then Ohio State is, is doing their thing. They don't have their fastball yet. They've had some early season injuries, but they're still winning games. Then you got Clemson, then you got Oklahoma. But Michigan sitting right there, is it not fair to say Michigan's getting the most from the least? Like, we don't really mention a whole lot of their offensive skill players. We only know it's two quarterbacks because neither one of them have stepped out in front of the other. No one really knows a big, you know, big deep threat that they have. Blake Corum is a really nice running back, but that defense and everybody kind of sets him up for success. Last game, he had like seven carries, four touchdowns. Couldn't we say they're getting the most with the least? And doesn't that also tip your cap back to Coach Harbaugh and what he's doing with that team? I don't think I'm ever going to say they – I would never view Michigan as an underdog. Like, I mean, they look at the stadium. I play just, just – that speaks volumes. I would never – I can't see Michigan as an underdog. I will say, to me, out of the teams you listed, I guess obviously you got Georgia and Bama. They have the hardest time getting to the playoffs because they got to play, like you said, they got to play Penn State, they got to play Ohio State. Um, so if anything, I feel like they deserve a lot of respect of of their their route each year. They, Michigan they got State, route. Wisconsin, right? I mean, they got a they got a route that they're gonna have to get through. Um, I'm looking at Penn State, October 15th is gonna be a good game. Um, Michigan State, they got Ohio State to to cap off the season in that rivalry game, and so I think they they haven't. In the past, I thought they haven't been notable for anything besides just being good. Like they've always had a good defense, especially last year, that top pick. Um, so I think it, I think they do deserve some more credit. I think it'll be interesting to see them get into conference play and seeing how the dominance carries over to some actual teams that like have the same resources like that they do. Um, so I think it's gonna be interesting to see them kind of walk into these next couple games. I feel like that'll be the true test. And if if they continue to roll like steamroll teams like they're doing. Scoring points, running the ball at will, stopping teams, holding them below twenty points. I mean, yeah, put put them up there with the best of them. 
I want to ask both of you this question. Let's just jump it forward. And let's, again, work off assumption. Michigan currently right now is ranked fourth. Their blood rival, Ohio State's third. So you have two Big Ten teams following up behind two teams from the Jurassic Park and the SEC. If Michigan and Ohio State, if each of them just blaze a path forward until they meet each other and they play a 12-round, you know, split decision battle, I think this year it's in Columbus, is there an argument to be made that both of them go in just the same as if Georgia and Alabama blaze their way undefeated, battle each other, Clint, therein. Is it, is it within reason, no matter what the rest of the country does, is it within reason that we could see two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams in the Final Four, even if an Oklahoma or a Clemson, maybe they stumble? Say Oklahoma and Clemson stumble, and obviously – one of the SEC teams and one of the Big Ten teams has to stumble because they're going to f- see each other. But a one-loss Big Ten and a one-loss SEC team, would that not show they're stronger than anybody else? Darian, let's go to you since it seems like it's it has hit you particularly uh, different here. Yeah, we can go hypothetical. So if uh, Clemson stumbles – in that conference if, now, say it right, now in right, that conference. Right. If we yeah, if we if we stumble, we don't we don't get in. That's just point blank, period. Uh, we don't uh, ACC doesn't have that respect yet. Um, if Oklahoma stumbles, neither do they, they have the respect. Only two conferences to get the benefit of doubt in that regard would be the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, so yeah, I, that definitely is a possibility um, because the Pac twelve to me the Pac twelve team. For them to get in, if you look at the fourteen playoffs, because to me you got the Big Ten, ACC, uh, Big Twelve. For them to get in on that side, because like obviously past years they haven't. Two teams from either the Big Ten or SEC have gotten in. They got to be dominant. They got to yep. completely yep. obliterate. Like that has to be like obviously you want parity, but in that game there has to be a team that's just outright better than the other. For them to to for for the committee not to skip over a one-loss Big Ten team or a one-loss SEC team. So if that is the case, uh, the back 12 team is, like, just not dominant, I could see that be a real contention upon do we let two one-loss uh, or one, a one-loss Big Ten team and a one-loss SEC team get in. Because the so way it's looking, I mean, what you say? So you're saying, like, say SC, USC beats Oregon by a late field goal and they have an ugly and dramatic win. They got to come from behind in Salt Lake to beat Utah, but they survive. A team surviving the Big 12, not decapitating people, but, you know, literally on the ground choking them out. Yeah. That may not have enough body of work in such a, like, really, it might be the fifth weakest conference, fourth with the Big 12, to overcome the one of those two one-loss teams. Clint, is that your position uh, regarding a possible – Double, double, SEC, Big Ten, let's lock it up. Yeah, I mean, that's – gosh dang, George, that's a that's a hypothetical, man. I got – I mean, hell, I ain't the sharpest yeah. tool now. Shit, I've had a couple of tequilas tonight. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, look, I, I think – here's the thing is I believe this is a year where Alabama could be squeezed out. I, 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 don't, I don't typically believe that Alabama is a – 
a, a team that could be squeezed out. But this year I do. You you go down to the wire with Texas. You mess around. and the Last year they went down to the wire with a 6-6 six and six Auburn team with the first year of Brian Harson, which we now know is a cluster. You mess around and do that two or three times this year, and you don't win the SEC championship game, even though that may be your first loss, and that loss may be to Georgia. Obviously, that would that's what it would be. If that if that were to happen, I could see where a USC or to your question, George, um, two Big Ten teams would then squeeze into the college football playoff. Now, gosh dang, could it be a Two SEC, two Big Ten, that'd get awfully hairy. Now, I, I think the college football playoff uh, – D, the, the college football playoff committee's bold. I don't know if they're that bold. I don't know if they're that bold either. Not that they, They're bold enough to put two of, two of the same in. I don't know about two of the same of the same. You know what I'm saying? I don't, they're that bold. But what if, they just, if all four ride just like they are, They all, none of them fall out of the top five. You're right. Clemson – Gets in there with NC State, something wild happens, block field goal, whatever. Then they roll off of that one loss. Oklahoma gets in here, mixes it up with Baylor. Something wild happens. I can't believe it. They only have one loss. They roll from there after that one loss. But when you look across those conferences, there is not another monster really looking back at them. And if it'll, other it'll, four, it'll have to be, it'll have to be. Um, yeah, the the surviving word is key. There's a difference. There's there is a middle ground between surviving and dominating that I think the the other conference can get in. But I think the Pac-12 is just always going to be surviving that conference. If Oklahoma can just prove to be good enough, the committee won't do that. And if Clemson can prove to be dominant enough, not completely dominant, but dominant enough, they'll get in. It'll, the the question mark would be if everybody's surviving and these four teams are just dominating everybody up until they play each other. And then those those games are the true like fourth quarter battle where it comes down to the last play, then the committee's got some – they got their work cut out for them. They got yeah, their work. Look, I mean, it, look, guys, it, that would take – it could happen, yes, but that would take Clemson somehow messing the bed, Oklahoma messing the bed, USC messing the bed. I mean, it would take – in my opinion, it would take, it would take uh, the stars to align, maybe even in a bigger way than they did last year for Cincinnati. Uh. So to to the to the to the greater point there, according to our producer Trevor, Alabama has always made the playoffs. Since the playoffs started, they have always made the playoffs. So I think not one year, it, one year they they lost. They had like because I remember uh, twenty. I want to say it's 2018, 2017, They had two losses. That's the only time oh, I got. I gotta say that though. I have to say that. Oh, you're right. Played, it, it, they, and they and you're right. That was your year. I did not read all my notes from our producer, Trevor, here. 2019, 2020, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. I thought we were missing a little something that year. It didn't feel right. The Roman Army was not a part of that. But every year since, they have yeah. been in. I just feel like if, if they come riding into town, kind of slumped over on that horse, but they're still on that horse, Clint, I feel like the, the committee is going to be like, what are we doing? This is Alabama. And for ratings purposes – the Roman Army, the White Walkers, and the Yankees and Red Sox at college football of Michigan and, and Ohio State. Yeah, we want the parity. But if those four have a chokehold on the thing in the last year of a four-team playoff, 
I shoot, I think it'd be you'd be hard pressed not to give the people what they want. Gee, I, I think I think gee, I think it really depends on what logo is sitting at number five. Oh nice. What nice. brand is sitting at five? Oklahoma State, your ass out. You ain't getting in. Who I does mean, have the juice? USC? You USC, betcha. Clemson, Oklahoma. All three. You USC, betcha. Clemson, Oklahoma. So if if any of those are undefeated by no matter what means, if they won their last five games by field goals, they hop the fourth team. Yeah, get in. I would think so. Damn. I, yeah, I, I would think, think so. so. The goose egg is stronger than the body of work. Well, that, well, no, 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 well, yeah. I think that's Maybe. that's that's we got we got that's a conversation. I can't go. My my point is is we just watched Alabama. Go toe to toe with Texas, who we don't know who the hell Texas is, right. and so correct, correct. If Alabama continues to go toe to toe with suspect teams, the body of work is not as strong as it has been in the past. Is my point, right? Finishing up on this big uh, on the on the Big Ten East, Michigan top five in the nation offense and defense. Ohio State remains in the top three, even though they haven't been at full health. And the Nittany Lions, we are Nittany Lions. Christian Hackenberg's uh, alma mater have roared from being unranked mm-hmm. to now 14th in the country after an impressive uh, knockout. It was really a, a first-half knockout of Auburn down there uh, at Jordan-Hare. Let's switch now, coming off of those two conferences. All respect to everybody else. Again, field 12 after dark. Darian Rencher, Clint Sterner, George Whitfield, uh, powered by Bet Rivers. Fellows, we're starting to come into the fourth quarter here. We want to break into a, a discussion about realignment. And it is a fascinating thing because every time one of these stories breaks, I find myself going through a few deals. First, it's like, wow, really? And then you got to move yourself over to, well, it's here. So now you got to start thinking like this. And then you got to fast forward to, okay, so then what will it be? You got to just kind of like move yourself into it. Watching the two L.A. teams come to the Midwest and then watching the two powers from the Big 12 step into Jurassic Park. The question is, will realignment be good for us? And the premise uh, and I'm just going to go right off of our producers, Dagan and Trevor. Their premise is that we will lose traditions. Bedlam, they're saying, will be gone. Other other deals will be gone. It's good the two L.A. teams went together. Is that a bad thing? Does it even matter? Clint, I'll go with you first. Yeah, absolutely it matters. But, but I'll argue that in any game, any uh, rivalry game that we're going to lose – there's also games that we're going to retain mm. and games that we're going to gain. I mean, we hadn't seen right here, and I'm, I'm in Houston. My, I mean, we hadn't seen Texas, Texas A&M in years. I mean, it's it's a crying ass shame that college football, NCAA, hadn't found a way to make that happen. Um, it's going to happen again. So, so I'll argue that that we we gain a few. Now, I don't know how the math works out. Do we gain more than we lose? I, I don't know. Um, but this goes into, for me, George, this goes into when this became the Wild Wild West, a lot like the NIL, when this just became the NCAA was not managing a damn thing, this this was, was possible, right? 
the, the NCAA could have found a way. And, I, and look, I don't know what you know better than I do, George. I, I don't know what, what dots need to be connected to make that happen. But there's bound to be a better way to realign than just, hey, the rich get richer. Y'all go get whoever the hell y'all want to. Doesn't matter how far the kids have to travel. That, nothing matters. Just go get whoever you want to. So, I, look, I, the NCAA could have managed this thing differently. And a part of that – a part of that could have been retaining rivalries. Now, with that said, there's still a way that if these teams go their separate direction, if there is still such a thing of, of a non-conference game, that non-conference game doesn't need to be against a small school that needs $2 million. Right. It, need, it needs to be against an in-state rivalry so that college football is better, not so that the – the smaller program is better. Unless you're the head coach or AD of that smaller program. Your App State, they went headhunting, lost by a field goal to North Carolina. Two weeks later, drag a carcass back from, from Jurassic Park when they got A&M. That's two weeks. They made close to $3 million, and you split the deal. And now all of a sudden, their campus is running up and down. Clint, you do make a great point as I move over here to Darian. The NCAA really isn't running anything. They're not running anything. Grind ass shame. The, the real smoke-filled rooms are the conference commissioners, and even bigger than the conference commissioners are the university presidents and ADs. The, the backdooring and the politicking and the real power play is going with them. Darian. But, G, real quick, G, the, yeah. reason, the reason that happened – is because there's clearly a weakness. And the weakness being? The NCAA. Like, if the NCAA was a true boss and they were running shit, yeah. the, 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 the power, there wouldn't be such, such immense power with the conferences or with the athletic directors. And, again, I understand that's a, that, that's a, that is a very – it's not as easy as I make it sound, but if the NCAA was a boss and they were running things and they were setting the standard – it, it wouldn't be this way. The, the reason that the conferences are running it, the reason the ADs are running it, and the reason that it's a wild, wild west is because the boss is absentee. The boss doesn't have a voice. The boss doesn't want to be present and manage things. And right. the, and, and it's so somebody has to do it. it yeah. Honestly, and I agree. I don't even know if you'd really call him a boss. It, it's like – It's more, more, more of a figurehead. A They're figurehead, really like right. a county clerk yeah. with the with the five families. Just imagine, are the five families really going to look over at the county clerk or the the mayor's office? No, we'll handle the streets. You just keep running your you you know your stoplights and uh, right. you know the the festivals and things of that sort. Darian, especially coming from a university that's bound, just like Notre Dame will be pretty soon is bound to be packing their bags. They're probably quietly packing their bags over there right now. If you, if we just keep it all the way a hundred is conference realignment. Has it been good for us so far? Really? We haven't even really felt it. All we, all right. we've done is, has we just been pointed in a new direction. We got a little taste with Alabama and Texas locking horns, but especially being a Clemson Tiger, is realignment good for us? 
I think any change is going to be weird. I, don't, I think over time it'll be fine. Like, I think people um, – I think the biggest thing is just trying to find a way to do both. Like, I think there's some things you should hold tight to uh, throughout history as much as you can. Like, some things you just you should just try to fight for. And then, obviously, like, we you have to evolve, especially even talking about NCAA. Like, NCAA is more of a figurehead. And at one point they were, but then you start letting people do TV contracts. You start bringing in all this money. Then it gets to a point where, like, they don't have any say-so to what goes on, even though supposedly they are the governance of the NCAA, but they too much money is being made to where people that are making the money are making the decisions. And so now you really you really look at the landscape of college football and you see sometimes the fact that teams aren't getting as much money isn't because of their performance on the field, but because of the position they hold in the conference. And so some a lot of teams are getting more benefit of the doubt than they should. Like Rutgers is making more money in Clemson. Like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. Like, bro, we ain't talking about Rutgers one day on this show, but Rutgers get more bread than Clemson. Like, more Clemson. bread than Clemson. Hey. So, and, that, and that's where, to me, the conference realignment is going to be good. But then again, hopefully, I think you look at Bedlam, and hopefully they, they can figure out how to wait, wait to reverse that. If there's a way for the people or the powers that be to figure out how to still hold true some things that have been really good to college football, which is rivalry, like true rivalry week. You know what I'm saying? There'll be different rivalries that kind of come about throughout the conference realignment. That'll be good. But at the same time, man, like, I want to see my boys play USC. But they you know, could, like, honestly, they could do that to, to both your points. They get the whole month of September. It's basically college football's preseason. You're not in conference play. Every now and again, somebody conference will fall in. You know, Florida and South Carolina linked up and a couple of Purdue, Penn State. But for the most part, you get two, three, four weeks, Clint. If Texas and the Aggies really wanted to dance at Reliance Stadium or Cowboys Stadium, it's going to be one of the two. They could do it if they wanted to. They Texas played yeah. UTSA. Hey. Aggies wanted to see App State, took an L with them. They could link if they wanted to link. Didn't that more ego, more hey, than G, not being able I mean, to do it? Unless you come to me and tell me that conference realignment is going to knock out all four of the non-conference games, you come to me and tell me that, then we got to have a different we got to have a different conversation, right? Right. But right now we're playing four non-conference games. Cancel two of them jokers. Add one conference game, and let me get one non-conference for my biggest rivalry. Oklahoma, you're going to yep. play Oklahoma State. Yep. Yep. Right. I mean, hell, I was going to say Texas, Texas A&M. Now you're going to be in the same damn conference. So that that's. That solves itself. But, I mean, Florida, you're going to play Florida State. I mean, it, 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 it's not that it, – some, some, some rivalries are going to go away. You're going to lose them. But for the most part, boy, if this thing – if the adults involved in this, this, this negotiation or this decision-making process, the adults can make it happen. They and can hell, make it. They look they here, can. George. We can all win. As, as college football fans, we can all win in a major way if they do it right. Can you imagine yeah. a prime time showdown between the Aggies and the Longhorns? And they shouldn't meet in a neutral site. You should have a home and a way. Or maybe the first one, yeah, maybe the first one you do do at a, at a neutral site uh, and, and just bring the rivalries back. They could do that. Uh, I personally, look, change is going to come, so it doesn't even make sense to try to, like, wrap your arms around a tree that's getting chopped down that thing coming down. So <laughs> get on with it. You know what I mean? Hug the next one. Uh, real quick. Now that we are down to, to uh, Oh, got a question coming in here. 
uh, if the team, if the 12 team playoff came a few years ago, would conference realignment be like this? Great question. That comes in from our producer, uh, Dagan Hughes. I was going to attribute it to somebody at a bar in, in uh, College Station. Darian Clint, real quick, if the 12-team playoff was implemented three years ago, would you see all this massive shuffling? Uh, yes. I, I, the highway I is yes. much wider. I say yes because the money you make in postseason doesn't still account for the money you can make off TV Ooh, stuff in the regular, I heard regular that. season. And so, like, I mean, I think it'll it'll, it'll have been. I don't know if that even should be a thing, but I think I, the whole idea to me, conference realignment and then like expansion of playoffs are two different things. I think expansion of playoffs is just to give a little more excitement to that time of the year. Conference realignment is the whole, to restructure the whole ship. Like, what are we doing in college football? Like, what are, who's getting who's getting the money? How are we getting the money to people? So, that, so that's different. I think the 12-team expansion is more so just adding some more flavor to what's kind of been bland to some people. Some people want to see the big dogs play every year. And, like, I'm all for it. So I feel like when it gets down to it, there's four teams, to me, that are a lot more superior than other teams. But now it'll be interesting to see in the years to come how that plays out because it, I, I, was, I would like to see an older a bigger team get caught slipping. In that round one of a twelve-team playoffs, and then be it makes the whole thing up. So it'll be it'll be interesting, especially if you got a team that comes in on a hot streak. Clint, uh, if we have a twelve-team playoff now, obviously you disperse a lot of the attention. The recruits can now move and see some different programs. When you see the same four teams in the playoffs, they te- they tend to like uh, their their gravitational pull is stronger than everybody else because they're in that dance. We're watching them in January. Does this change yeah. realignment? Cash rules everything around me. Around me. <laughs> dollar, dollar yeah. bills, y'all. That's it. Look, look, no, I'm with D. I think ultimately it ends up happening. Uh, but I do think we're further removed from it. Like, I, I think I think we, we would be five or six years away from it happening if, if, if the Pac-12 was represented, if the group of five was represented, if the Big 12 had a little bit more, a little bit more uh, sweat in the game, if you, if you will, if, if the, SEC wasn't such a dominant dominant figure. I think it would have pushed this off into the distance, but I do think at some point in time we'd all be sitting here talking about realignment, talking about the big boys joining, uh, the rich getting richer. We'd all be talking about that, no question. It definitely is going to become uh, Big 12. I mean, what am I talking about? The Big 10, just to get that right. The Big 10 in Jurassic Park, the SEC – it is going to be a cold war. I can't wait to see Clemson go on up north and join the Big Ten. Speaking of Clemson, fellas, just to wrap this up, week four, we hope you guys come back and join us Saturday night uh, after the primetime game. We'll be talking about Clemson, Wake Forest, Florida, Tennessee. Those two will lock horns. That'll be a lot of fun. Clint, your hogs go down to Dallas, and they're going to dance with the Aggies. The Aggies need that one bad, but probably not more so than everybody up there. Uh, at Arkansas and Ohio state gets its first big time heavyweight test since Notre Dame. They have been in some real, some battles. They will take on uh, the Wisconsin Badgers and we will see you next Saturday night. Field of 12 after dark, Clint Sterner, Darian Rencher, George Whitfield. See you this weekend.